welcome back to What's Up With, the World Institute on Disability podcast, where we discuss what's up in the disability community across the globe. I'm your host, Ashleen Kumsa, and today I'm honored to share with you my conversation with photojournalist and documentarian Tom Olin. Tom started documenting the disability rights movement in the 1980s with powerful, thought-provoking photographs. And since then, he has continued to use his photography to document historic disability rights events. It was such an honor to chat with him about the role that artists play in disability activism and the importance of community organizing. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, Tom, to have this much needed conversation. My first question for all of our guests is always, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well since you have called and um, <laughs> I am very much enchanted with WID and I always have been. I mean, I have a little history with WID just because it was, um, you know, in the, it came about in the 80s and at the time when um, disability was becoming something more than what it had been. Um, there, we became, you know, more, more things were happening that we were doing things together. We were creating organizations. We were fighting on many different fronts, whether it be independent living, um, disability rights, um, you know, it was, um, things were happening. And there had always been, you know, history, but um, this was a time when a lot of people were doing different things, you know, different areas, different parts of the country. And yet we were kind of, um, it was kind of interesting because back then um, we had um, magazines, you know, and we all, we all actually, when things were happening, the magazines were actually telling us you know mm. the rest of the country meaning that somebody something happened in Berkeley people in Michigan and Florida would know about it you know mm -hmm. which is a little different from today now we have to go to people's websites and mm -hmm. figure out what's you know what is happening <laughs> and social media of course yeah that's the new wave of the future okay. So I am very happy to be here. That was a long answer to say I'm enjoying <laughs> myself being with you. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm very happy that you are here and, and Wit is very enchanted with you. So very happy to be having this conversation. And I know that, yeah, like you, like you were mentioning, you've been involved with the disability rights movement since 1985. If you could share with us your background, how you got involved in the disability rights movement and disability activism, I would love to hear your story. Bring us back to 1985. Well, you have to kind of go a little bit earlier. I grew up with dyslexia, which meant that um, I was a different, I was in a different category when, you know, in, in school, you were, if you had dyslexia, you're usually in a dummy class, uh, slow learner class. Um, so I got, you know, a taste of what it felt like to be different. Um, I got to hide that and I couldn't hide it very well in grade school, but I got to figure out how to hide it in high school. I got to do oral reports and things like that to get my grade up, you know. Um, then I went on to try to go to college. I ended up in college, but <laughs> I had to drop out after the first semester uh, because I had to write. Oh my God, I have to write. I can't do oral. Nope. <laughs> they, they didn't have any, um, 
you know, the, um, we didn't have any uh, laws back then. ADA was very far in the future. Now, oh, yeah, 20 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it ended up in that time period, Vietnam War was going on. Um, and I was, um, well, I had, when I dropped out, I was eligible. Um, so I ended up, um, not going to Vietnam, but I ended up doing community work and I ended up in a rehab hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that's where I kind of, my soul and my, uh, what, my education of people with disabilities, it took a very sharp upward learning curve. Um, mm-hmm. I was in a uh, place that had um, a lot of quadriplegics, paraplegics, um, people that need spinal work, people that um, had didn't have limbs. Um, some people, it was it was a lot of different um, disabilities in a rehabilitation hospital uh, where I met some good people that I'm some of them I'm still um, in touch with today and some of them um, are I'm actually working in a disability world with and that's when I was shoot that's what um, 19 I was 19 years old and there was actually a person Diane Coleman who um, is um, a person that has a group called not dead yet and um, mm-hmm. she was 17 years old at the time. So it was during that, that's when I kind of, you know, skipped. I got to see people, with, especially in traumatic, traumatic um, injuries that, um, you know, let's say like almost a week after their accident, you know, would be in a mm-hmm. rehab um, facility. And yeah, it was like, okay, um, I'm going to live or I'm going to die. And that was like, my, you know, it was like that black and white of, of, um, and I was in a, uh, a wing where the kids were my age, you know, that were, and so it was like, and then an orderly, I was an orderly um, at that mm-hmm. time. And so I got very, it was high drama, real high drama. So That's you got to skip it down about 10, 10 years um, uh, from that point. And I ended up in, um, in California, um, in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was at just before that, I was living in Brazil on an island. And then I said, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I had, I had nothing, nobody to talk. Nobody spoke English. And I couldn't, I could speak Portuguese, but not conversational wise. And so I mm-hmm. ended up talking myself and uh, answering myself. And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And I got that, you know, it was a meditation like, yeah. What it brought me back to is, uh, is all the friends I had in the rehab hospital. I said, okay, that means I should get back into disability. Where should I go? If I can go anywhere in the world, where do I go? Berkeley, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, naturally. <laughs> you know, That's where everything is happening. Yep, yep. And so I went there. That was, um, went there with some friends, um, uh, my family, and we that was 80 it's been 80 i'm not sure 81 82 mm-hmm. um and um 
But what was interesting is that, that by that time, Berkeley, the activism, you know, that was after the 504 demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you still had the organization, you still had a Berkeley cell. Um, I became an attendant and I worked um, at the Berkeley cell. I also uh, worked at the university at the Disabled Students Program, which which I really loved because it was one of the first programs, um, attendant programs around, um, run by people with disabilities. And uh, and that's kind of where um, at that at that point, I um, decided to get into media too, because I thought, okay, you know, that's what should be happening in the, in the disability world. I should be doing something with media. Um, and so I was doing video. And at that point, I, um, I was in a video produ- a production company. Um, and I was a, what they call an assistant director, which all that meant was that you, whenever someone didn't show up, you went and you did their job. Mm-hmm. So at times, and quite a few times I was um, a camera person uh, with this big video camera. You know, went to Conacosta County um, Community College there, the Apple Valley Community College mm-hmm. it was, and took a course, a camera course, and then from there I became a photographer. Uh, but at that point I had to still work, so I still was an attendant and then uh, did the did the uh, photography on the side. Um, my first, actually, my first um, series of photos were a person out of the Berkeley cell that had a commu- uh, a, a chemical sensitive um, disability. And mm-hmm. yeah, I took, um, it was kind of interesting how to capture a person with chemical, with a sensitive chemical chemical sensitivity how do you would you do that and so it was a, it was kind of an interesting way to try to figure out how to show other people uh, you know because you know it took I had a great time um, with the photos and I was also with disabilities I was at um, the, in the Bay Area there's the Bay Area uh, recreational uh, program BORP um, that I was involved in so I had not only you know, as an attendant to people with disabilities, I was in different programs um, that had involved with disabilities. There was a state um, active, uh, av- active advocacy um, pro- um, organization called, at that time, it was called California Association of the Physically Handicapped, CAF. And it was the largest um, state um, organization uh, by people with disabilities in the country. So definitely, and I became a, a board member out of, uh, in Contacosta County in our chapter. Um, in the meantime, one of my friends uh, from the rehab hospital, Diane Coleman was in California, I mean, in uh, Los Angeles. So we had been spending summer vacations together as we were living together and I mean, at, I mean, I'll throw some names out that you might not make any um, sense to you, uh, but the group that was starting with that Paul Longmore, Carol Gill, Larry Voss, um, Ann Finger, 
um, Barbara Waxman. Um, I mean, there was just an amazing group of people that, um, you know, that was back in the um, early um, 80s that were, I mean, it, just really culture was just as the word that we were just forming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the culture and those, the culture makers were there. I mean, Paul Longmore, Carol Gill, I call Carol Gill the mother of disability culture. Uh, it was just so much fun, you know, at that time. And mm-hmm. around that time in 84, um, in 84, um, at the, um, at our state conference, ADAPT came to town or came down and gave a, gave a lecture and both Diane and I just said, uh-oh, this looks like what we've been wanting for a long time. And so that fall of 84, um, I had my camera, one roll of film, and we went to the, our first ADAPT demonstration. And, um, and on that 24 row, I mean, some of my most iconic photos came out of that first row. There's a row of handcuffs behind a wheelchair. Mm. That was probably one of the first real, you know, something that had never been done. I mean, it, it was so, I was just really lucky that no one else was <laughs> taking <laughs> photos at the time, you know. Um, it wasn't um, like now at, at that kind of yeah it wasn't like now where everyone's always taking photos yeah we're getting some good people though you know mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm excited about what's happening now also mm-hmm. but you're right it's uh, there's everyone with a with a phone you know can take a picture mm-hmm. uh, and because a lot of times it's it's not being tech very technical it's uh what is happening in front of you that exactly. sometimes makes the news exactly uh, and i was re- i was really good at being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. uh, i don't call myself a, a very technical uh photographer i just like i said i'm there at the right time I, if i let myself just be i kind of knew where the flow of the energy was going to be and i could go and be at that point and wait for that action. Um, it was, I was lost in the world and there, people could talk to me and I wouldn't even hear them. I just, mm. just I could find myself, you know, at the place where I should be. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I started uh, doing. I, I mean, at first it was just for our local um um, Associate California Association of the Handicapped newsletter, you know, and from the newsletter, then other people wanted to have photos. And so um, luckily, Diane had a very good job. So I could um, be in a dark room um, doing pictures. And, and I also, uh, at that point, I was not an attendant, um, except for a friend. Every once in a while, like Paul Longmore would my attendant didn't show up, you know, and so I <laughs> went out to get him up or whatever was needed, you know, that, that happened. But I was also, um, I was a temp in the LA Unified as a teacher's assistant. And I could work any day I wanted to throughout the whole year. Um, and then also say, I'm, you know, if I didn't want to, if I was going to on an action, 
if I was going to travel somewhere, then I would just tell them that, you know, I'm going to be gone for that. And it worked out, you know, perfect for me uh, to be able to really put my growing talent <laughs> to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, after a while, after years, you know, I can still remember the point where I said, oh, I don't have to have another job. I'm doing okay with, with just doing <laughs> photography. So that's, mm -hmm. that's when I said, oh, I guess I could be called a professional finally. <laughs> amazing. That is amazing. And what role do you, did you feel like you were playing within the movement, you know, as an artist, as a photographer? And what role do you think that artists play now in the movement, you know, for disability rights, disability justice? Okay. Well, getting right down to it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you know, I, I got I got to see something that um, a lot of people uh, now they don't get to see is, is that um, because I was the only one doing photos, especially in in that kind of uh, genre of um, act, you know action um, advocacy. Um, what was what was really great about that time period is that we had magazines, mm -hmm. you know, and those magazines had photos in it. So everyone got to see what was happening. Um, and it, it, you don't see that as much today. When, and so what that meant is that when there was an action like in Chicago, people got to look at it and say, hey, we can do that in our city. Mm -hmm. And um, in, fact, in fact, it got so good. I mean, it was so good at it that I remember it was either the I think it was a disability rag that that um, uh, a group in in um, Brazil um, they had a disability group and and they heard they heard all you know they re would read about um, disability and things that were happening but until they actually saw the pictures it was a, it was then they could say I could do that we can do that too. Mm. Um, it's just there's there's a thing that happens with the visual thing um, that you know I mean with dyslexia I've always been really lucky to have a writer with me and around me or someone that I could say you know here you know um, do a good caption you know do do a little story from this you know mm -hmm. I've always been able to find someone to do that and and um, so so not only could the visuals say something, but a good narrative is always really good. I mean, Absolutely. we lack today. We lack a lot of lot of narratives that need mm -hmm. to be out there today. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean today. I mean, let's say, you know, right now, you know, we have people in um, in the south. I mean, in the um, the east and the south, where, uh, where um, you know, we got people that have no electricity for their ventilators they have mm -hmm. you know we have a crisis but we also have always i mean for a whole year we've had a crisis we've had more than um we had around two hundred thousand people with disabilities die um from something from the virus that um that they died in congregated settings yep. and that was rapid and it still happened in fact it's growing again just like the deviant is growing 
in a regular population, the deviant is growing in um, in the um, in the, you know in an institution congregate settings. So what I'm kind of saying out of that is that where is our narratives? Where is our mm-hmm. visuals on that? You know, uh, it those those things we don't have out there anymore. So and mm-hmm. if you don't have those things, pe- people of like mind cannot say, okay, we should do something. This is why, you know, they have that feeling. Back when we were doing it with the ADA, people could say, oh, you know, gosh, you know, there's a movement. I belong to it. I belong to this. I have this, you know, I, I have other people that think like me and are, mm-hmm. are with me, you know. Nowadays, yes, you know that there are people that probably think like you, but you're not together, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not That's working true. together. Yeah. Um, you know what I think? Yes. Some people are, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's maybe there's an oversaturation because there's so much multimedia out there. You know, there's so much, it's hard to find your community when there's there's so much multimedia. And also the 24 hour news cycle, I think there's only certain kinds of glamorous stories that are told and people with disabilities are often left behind because the story isn't glamorous for the mainstream media, so to speak. I think that, has a lot to do with why nowadays yep. these stories aren't being told. Well, it's 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 the visuals. I don't, you know, sometimes it's not the narrative. Like I said, you know, um, until people saw some photos and stuff like that, you 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 tend to take that into, you know, you could just one visual can really unite some some a group, a group of individuals, um, mm-hmm. an organization. Um, you know, and we don't have enough of that. And that's where the artists should be coming in to play. Um, you know, I mean, what we, what, as artists, you know, one of the things, what we're trying to do, we are trying to capture people's experiences, you know, whether they be um, locked in a uh, um, congregate setting, whether they're um, being uh, taken away in a guardianship, you know, whether, whether the access is, is so bad that they can't even get down downstairs, it, you know, you have all those things. And, and with, with an artist, what I believe artists in our community and the disability community should be doing, we should be capturing, you know, our, our the people's experiences, you know, with photos, with art, you know, so that um, one might value, you know, you, you you want to place a value on that person so that people um, can see what another that person that is in another life you know is experiencing you know, and that's if you can't make that connection then you know it's just um, it's whatever you do might be nice looking might be okay but you're not changing things. I mean, I I want art to be um, a, a something that we can change um, into, you know, for something. And, and artists and artists can do that. You know, there's mm-hmm. just too many, you know, the civil rights movement. You know, uh, when the civil rights movement started with King and things like that, you know, SNCC, they had they had great buttons. They had, you know, they had things that they kind of came on to the artists. They had poets, um, 
you know, that which that came up and say something. They actually, you know, they had the acad some academics behind mm -hmm. them. Um, you know, um, in uh, in the AIDS movement, we had you know really good artists that kind of come, you know, yeah, that that you know said things to people that brought people together and um, we're. we're we're, we're kind of, you know, it's kind of funny. We've, you know, we just had Crip Camp, which was a, an mm -hmm. amazing film that, yes. um, that brought us together for, for a bit, you know, that, um, that we, could, we could have that familiarity of people coming together. And, um, and I mean, I've, I've been in congregated, you know, settings where, where you, know, you know, groups of people, um, you know, bonded together because they were in concrete settings, you know, and camps, you know, even if it's a camp or if it's a school that um, people are in, um, places, you know, like that, you, even on a commune, you know, uh, people are together and, um, you know, those, those, that was a really nice thing about Crip Camp. It, it, you felt that communal, um, experience of people with disabilities coming together and mm -hmm. loving each other and all that. Um, but yeah, at the same time that that was happening, COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. And all that great experience of being together in that film, the other side of what was happening in reality is we were dying in these congregate settings. That was you know, the first thing a lot of people dying were the nursing homes, you know, up in uh, the state of Washington, you know, and um, and then a, whole, a lot of us said, you know, something we should do something, and it was like our big organizations, April, Nico, and other organizations, you know, um, tried to get a hold of our our representatives and, and Congress people and. Um, it took weeks before they could come back to us. You know, they had other priorities. Hmm. It wasn't people with disabilities were still at the bottom. You know, it, you know, Crip Camp. We we thought we were went up to top and we're a par with everyone else. And then COVID hit, and we realized that we were treated like we were people on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so we're you know, and that is still happening. Um, Absolutely. It'll happen. Can't get enough of What's Up Wid? Great news! We've recently welcomed a new addition to our What's Up Wid franchise, our monthly newsletter. Our What's Up Wid newsletter highlights our latest blog posts, podcast episodes, videos, and news media features every single month. To sign up, visit our website at www.wid.org and click on Sign Up for Email Updates from Wid located on the left and subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you never miss out on What's Up with Wid. If you're a fan of the What's Up With podcast, you can show your support with a small monthly donation starting at just 99 cents. Make a contribution today by clicking on the listener support button on our podcast website located at www.anchor.fm forward slash WID ORG. Why do you think that organizing is a way for people to enact change, especially in today's day and age? How can people start to mobilize and organize to change the way that 
people with disabilities are are viewed and neglected. It comes back to just you know full time organizing. And that means you get you get together with groups of people. You get you find it's just like if you wanted to let's say um, let's say something was happening in your neighborhood in your mm -hmm. community, which I want to use because that's you know in your community is where your justice is going to happen nowadays and mm -hmm. and so if that happens and you you talk to you a friend you talk to a friend and you say you know this is what i said you know if that friend says oh i agree with you you know we should do something um and you you start so you start with your friends you then a lot of us have connections with other people and other organizations then once you have a couple of friends, you reach out, you know, to either other organizations or, or other people. You keep you keep close, you know, you don't want to give it all to an organization. You want to you want to still keep it to yourselves and to what you think is what is driving you at that point. And if it is nothing, then it will turn out to be you're the only one that wants it. Then but if you can get other people together and that's the whole thing is getting people together and it's not just you it's easy to you know to do a post a twitter or you know or something you know instant post instagram and um and get a whole bunch of people behind you know that might say something but have them come face to face to you or a phone call you know then you that Goes that comes that number comes down to to something else. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important for us now at this point is to start is just talk to each other again. We've we've forgotten how to talk to each other. Back in the movement when we uh, were doing um, ADA uh, fight fighting for the ADA, we had we had phone trees. We had you know we would be talking to people. Um, and if that is not happening, and I've seen people, good people, post stuff on on the internet, and that person, because like we're talking right now, you you can you can you notice my inflection, you you know you can you know when I'm excited, you know when I'm not, um, you know when I'm even asking a question before you know it comes to to you. Um, and that doesn't happen on social media. That does not happen on the internet. So there are times when you will speak and people will think that you're saying something else. And and if you say the wrong thing, that might be the last thing that you ever will hear from that person or they will ever hear from you. I mean, it is just you know, something. It, and if you had talked to each other, that would probably never, you know, you could have worked it out or, or something, you know, um, that's where I think working, organizing now is, you know, working with groups, you know, working, working small and finding, finding um, people. Uh, I, I had a group that um, started with just uh, myself and a person that I said, hey, do you, are you into this, you know, and um, <laughs> and let me see, must be maybe three months ago. Today, we have like 35 people. We have, um, we have in, uh, directors and other people in independent living. 
We have uh, two, three institutes on disability. We have, um, we have economists. We have, I mean, we have people that are just, we have some, uh, we have a person in Canada. Uh, it's all grown up just because we took a couple of us, you know, decide, okay, you know, let's do this. What can we do? And invite a couple of our friends, you know, and it grew into something that now, now we have, we have something that we actually share with the White House. We share with um, um, ACL, we share with FEMA, you know, thanks that, that it would have been hard to do with one person. Mm-hmm. And very important, important enough that 30 other, 35, you know, 35 other people say, hey, you know, I want to be connected with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, organizing starts, you know, with just being in touch with another person. Mm-hmm. And I love that you mentioned it could be either in person or over the phone, because, of course, there's people with disabilities who can't be on the front line, who can't meet up in person. So I think having that phone conversation, hearing each other's voices is so also equally important to organizing. The Internet is really good in a sense that, you know, um, when I talk to a nonverbal person, then that is then I can do it. But I do it one on one, you know. Uh, and in, and also in other groups, if you know, and that's what's so nice about Zooming, you know, is that you can put it, you know, in a chat room or whatever. I mean, there are, you know, you have people with all different kinds of disabilities, but and then you have to make sure. I mean, one of the things about even having a group is that you have to keep on talking with with those people in your group. You just can't leave it all up to, um, oh, we're just going to put it. Um, on paper, da da da, and um, okay, you have a Zoom. All the, even though you have a lot of people together, you still need to reach out because of those people that are on a Zoom, there are people that want to say something, but for one reason or another, don't say something. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to um, get involved, have people involved, then you do need that one. That's when you then either, you know, text that person or call that person and say, hey, you know, I didn't see you last week or um, how did you think about that Zoom? What did you think about what what we're going to be doing, you know? But you really need to get out there because some of the disabilities, I mean, I I work in an area with a lot of people that have psychosocial issues, you know, Mm. and and sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, it comes out during the conversation and sometimes it won't come out. I mean, their disability is so that they have anxiety or something and you need to talk to them a different way, you know, mm-hmm. to get their input into a group. Um, and, you know, <laughs> we're talking, talking everything about except for the art of, um, that we're talking about, but, but you know, today, you know, trying to get our images, our our art out there is still a one-to-one thing uh, in a sense that we need we need an audience, you know, and mm-hmm. there are just really good artists out there that, um, I mean, I just got done finding a, a, a young photographer, call him young, he's 28 years old, young to me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it, you know, um, 
you know, like, you know, I, to me, it's, it's the, that generation that needs that I can be, a, I'm 70, 71, what year, 71 years old. Yep, mm-hmm. 71. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and so I don't need, I don't need, you know, to um, do everything that I need, that I want to do. I want to be able to be there for the people that want to do something, you know, and I have enough contacts. I've been around a lot, so I can just be an old elder, you know, that's, that's kind of what I want. And I get to show my love that way. You know, one of the things, one of the, it's kind of funny, one of the, um, the new photographer that um, I'm w- working with, um, he's also uh, very much like Miles Horton, who was a person, a civil rights person um, who started the Highlander Center. And one of the things he said is you can't be a revolutionary. You can't want to change society if you don't love people. And that's basic of it you know when you talk to another person you know uh it's that love that you give that person and and you know i always try to give anyone new person unconditional love meaning that i don't need to not trust you um you know you might about three you know it might be three strikes later that i might say okay (laughs) maybe maybe i shouldn't you know but right off the bat i'll trust you and i you know i really i do that all my life it has it has worked well for me and and in you know this time when we're all kind of you know secluded and whatever we need to have that kind of trust when we talk to other people um if you don't if you don't have that trust when you're talking to the other people or trying to organize, if you don't, if you can't have that trust, it won't go anywhere. It will mm-hmm. end up in a different world, you know, uh, down the line. And you know, the whole thing is, is that, you know, when, when, you know, we, we change the game when we all work together, you know, it's, it's, it's so amazing what working together does. Uh, for our community, mm-hmm. so I agree. You know, I'm I'm really I really enjoying being able to you know work with all I, all generations. You know I I think that's very very important. Work with all generations because they're no matter you know what happens, um, our being in a disability community is is a something that is going to keep on going what lessons what lessons have you have you learned over all of these years that you've been organizing and also as a photographer fighting for disability rights what lessons have you learned along the way when you treat people as persons you know um, and and they come to respect you they come to know you there's i have a lot of great friends all over the u.s that i get to um not only be friends with and stay at their houses, but I get to cook with them. I get to break bread with them. Um, and we get to pass on stories. Mm. It's really, really good that um, you can do that and be able to do that because um, one of the things about photos and organizing is that you need to, you know, 
photos, you need people to photograph, you know, you need actions, you know, so I get to, I get to be called to do things. In the early days, I remember once I was so, so sad that I was, I was, I, I kept on, um, I was traveling to the place. It was going to take me two hours and it took me three hours, you know, and I thought, oh my God, they're going to, the march is going to start and uh, I'm going to have to figure out where they're at, you know, and, and so I get up to the place where they're going to start and they're all there, you know, and so, oh God, great, you know, and uh, so I get my camera stuff, I go out and I said, oh, you know, I'm glad you didn't start. And they said, you know, we couldn't start without you because if we if we started without you and you took picture, it, you couldn't it, and didn't take any pictures, then what we did didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, they say so there's they, a saying yeah. that um, people say, uh, millennials say, "Picks or didn't happen." That's like a saying that's very popular. There's no pictures; it didn't happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that was exactly what they, you know, was in their mind. And, I felt really bad, but, uh, but it worked out, of course. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 nice to be able to. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm working with people in Pennsylvania, in Colorado, you know, that I talk to every other day, or every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, and I'm and yet I'm in this broken down tour bus, you know, outside of Austin, Texas that doesn't go anywhere i don't even have a vehicle to go anywhere so but i'm all over the place you know and being able to talk with friends mm -hmm. and do things with friends what advice would you give to young people the young people of today who are hoping to use art photography um to enact change in the disability community what would you tell them find organizations that you can give your art to and um i say that almost you know art is something that in anything actually it's just a personal thing that when you give something to another person it does something um, i used to give my photos free to organizations and it has come back tenfold just just like the proverb you know and now people people when they want to use my photos they'll you know they'll call me and they want to pay me because because at times i had given them something um, and i still do if the, if the organization you know it's a big sliding scale <laughs> you know if they <laughs> if they can't afford a photo uh, um, on their walls then you know shoot you know for me it's better to have something you know there um, than not and, and for those organizations uh, that cannot um, I mean, that can afford then you know they pay me a, a very nice um, uh, price um, and it's and that means that I can you know give if they give me a good price I can give a good price to another person you know um, it just works out really fine so it's you know I, t I tell people to artists to you know work with your friends work with the organizations become friends of those organizations you know if they have something you know be it be art artsy you know um with them you know because at, at, at a time they will hire you it might be uh, two years after they have some money and they remember you they remember 
how a nice person you were and they will it, you know it just comes back to you. you you don't have to plan on it it just it, being nice has its rewards Sure <laughs> nice absolutely so, i mean and definitely you know i mean you have you have artists sometimes you really have to get into where you're at you know and your art will reflect it but as soon as you turn your art to try to help um help others then become something else you know and then that's that's where your art can really make a difference and um look you know i would tell anyone to look at you know the past artists you know look at the people that have changed the minds of people um keith warning you know out from the aids movement was a wonderful example um you know they're, they're just really good people out there and i I find it, and for, especially for the young, you know, I, you know, you know, push, push the artists, push the older artists to, you know, start doing some art that makes a difference. You know, right now there's a lot of art out there with a lot of, a lot of um, artists my age that I can't understand, but that it's what they're seeing out there um, in the world, and they're not trying to make a difference. I don't. I don't know what kind of difference they're trying to make. Um, it, sometimes it looks so academic, you know, in the world. Um, mm -hmm. I know WID. I know WID right now, and, um, and uh, some other organizations. We're very much into, you know, what we can do for um, the children, um, and uh, you know, and especially in institutions. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, I say, hey, you know, young artists, you know think about how you can display kids have lost their lives behind locked doors behind frosted windows you know how can we how can we show the rest of the world that they're losing you know other people that could be friends of theirs behind locked doors i think you know the the future the future is our young artists you know um, i think I think they have, they can have, and they should have um, a lot of help from a lot of our organizations. I actually, at any time I speak anywhere, I tell organizations to, you know, to always have an art um, budget in their annual budget. There should be a, a budget for art, and uh, so they can have it on their walls. But they can support artists. Um, they're cultural workers. They, we should always support our cultural workers. It's a very exciting time to be in right now. It always is because there is there's a lot of chaos out there, and it's mm -hmm. during those times of chaos um, when not only we can grow, but society grows. So we're mm -hmm. at that point. So what we what we do right now is some in what we do individually and what we do collectively, it'll, it'll resound for years to come. Uh, this is the time, that's why you hear mm -hmm. people talk about infrastructure. It's not, yep. it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's out there, but, you know, of course, the main society doesn't think of infrastructure with us, but we need to have that input 
and have that infrastructure to include us because we need to be included in the community. And that's where we need to have that justice, um, you know, disability justice to influence our community. Absolutely. And the thing about art, like you said, it resounds forever. Even when we're all, we're gone from the world, our art will still be here. So it's powerful for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much once again. I had so much fun chatting with you. I'm so happy that we finally got to connect. Me too. such an amazing time chatting with Tom. His photographs truly helped tell the most powerful stories and galvanize the disability community. It was great to learn how his own lived experiences kind of set him on this path of fighting for disability rights. And Tom's work really does serve as a reminder of the importance of art and activism. And it was such a pleasure to learn from him and to have this fruitful conversation. Thank you to Tom for chatting with me and thank you for listening, watching, or reading today's episode. You can find transcripts and American Sign Language interpretations for each and every episode of What's Up With on our website at www.wid.org forward slash what's dash up dash with. And as per usual, our famous last words here on What's Up With, paraphrasing the words of one of our founders, Ed Roberts, we need to get out there and change the old attitudes so we can build forward better. Better. Thank you so much once again, and I will talk to you next time.